shotglassdigital.com. Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn on your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. Oh, yeah, we're back. Rock Out Loud is kicking in the Goliverse, my friends. This is the most rocking podcast in the Goliverse, most likely on the entire internet. I'm not scared to say it. I don't think there's anyone that rocks the way that Rock Out Loud rocks. And uh, we're glad to be back after a short hiatus as one half of us was traveling from stem to stern across this great continent of North America. My name's Steve Glosson, and with me, back from her visit not only down to the swampy Everglades of Central Florida, but to the frozen tundra of Canada, up near Alaska. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Kristen from Jersey. Hello, everybody. It's so good to be back. Oh. It's so good to have you back. Aw, thanks, Steve. I mean, it it is there's just this uh there there's this there's this presence that's just missing when you're not around. Aw. Yeah. Stop. And, <laughs> and so I only have I only have one thing to say to all that. Let's get rock, Kristen. Let's get rocked. That's the only Def Leppard anyone's going to hear on the podcast. Isn't today. that crazy? I mean, after all, you know, knowing our love for the group and and uh, and and knowing just what you know, our love for the group. Period. I don't know what I was going to add to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy. It's not on there. But I'm. You know what? I'll say before we get started that this is one of the harder uh, topics you've ever presented me with. Oh, see. It was hard for me because I could only pick five. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. Well, here's the thing. I was going through, I'm like, well, this I, it, I ended up being the same thing with me. Okay. Yeah, you know, and so we'll talk about that a little bit when we get into it. Tonight, preview of what's to come, we're going to be talking about uh, the first tracks, our favorite first tracks from albums. Yeah, buddy. And uh, it it was it was quite the difficult for me, and I'll tell you why as we get down into it. But Kristen, you've been gone so long. Now we talked a little bit on the Big Honkin' Show, uh, which you know you never know if it's going to be posted or not. Um, so how was your journey? It was fabulous. I mean, I relaxed in Florida. We went to Disney, and you know we just kind of hung out by the pool, had a couple drinks. It was my best friend's birthday, so we celebrated that, which was awesome. Um, and then I came back for a day and then went up to the uh, the Great White North. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, now, now, while you were in Canada, I didn't ask you this the other night, but while you were in Canada, did you encounter any potential Bigfoot or Sasquatch? I did not. I mean, granted, I wasn't out as much like when we went outside because in the place that we were staying we were staying in Whistler which is like very secluded very mm. isolated yeah so like to go anywhere you had to walk through this little village um and then you had to walk over a bridge which lit up all 
pretty colors. It was very nice. But, I mean, I wasn't outside a ton because, I mean, with, with these meetings, you were going from 8 o'clock to, like, 6.30 at night. So they, they definitely keep you keep you isolated inside. But someone saw a bear. I mean, that's, I guess, the closest. Yeah, yeah. So you were never in fear of someone kidnapping you and trapping you in a walrus suit. No, I definitely made sure that I always had a buddy with me because I'm I'm petrified that someone's going to like take me and steal me anyway like at all times like ever since I was like 2 years old. So you, you don't I think they do the buddy system. Steve. You, you don't think they'd bring you back? No. No. I Oh, we've lost. Maybe, maybe if I talk to them as much about music and just like talk their ear off, they'd be like, "Nope, we're leaving. Bye." No, I think the music thing would cause them to keep you around. But what if it's like, what if it's someone that loves '90s music, and I just well, sit and talk about how much I hate Nirvana? That's true. That's true. Or you could talk to them about that weird Scottish show that you like so much, Outlanders. Yes. Yeah. I I would happily. I'd be like, as long as you give me my Kindle, like. If I can have my Kindle and have access to my credit card so I can continue to buy books, I might be okay with this. Yeah. Well, as, like I say, as, as long as no one kidnapped you and turned you into a walrus, we're good. What was that now? You just broke up. Yeah. All right. I said as long as no one kidnapped you and turned you into a walrus. Oh, well, how would someone do that? I don't know. It's, it's a Kevin Smith movie. Oh, okay. Well, I don't. I don't want to be turned into a walrus. So I, I, I would have to beat up the person that tried to do that to me. Well, you know, I, I would like to see that. <laughs> would you pay to see that? Would you pay for pay per view? Oh, definitely. Yeah, Kristen versus the crazy walrus changing person. I think I, I might be able to take him. I'm feisty. You're. <laughs> feisty okay i'm feisty you know that I, i'm short i'm tiny like i i would be able to like you know slip away from someone and like throat punch them i mean i don't know like throat we'll punch throat now listen the throat punch is a is an acquired talent <laughs> well i think when you're short it's kind of like born into you uh, yeah indeed well yeah because i mean that's the highest you can reach huh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. There's lots of step stools around my house. Well, I'm glad you're back, and I'm glad you're able to pull a step stool over and and get on the computer tonight. Absolutely. <laughs> and and talk some rock and roll. Let's do this. Let's get into some emails. And it's been so long that I'm not really sure what has been read and what hasn't been read. I have some marked. So if these sound familiar to you, um, stop you. Yes, yeah, stop me. Yeah, okay. just 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 throw me just throw me this signal here. Um, just just throw that out to me. Okay. Um. All right. This first one comes from Gabe. What has just happened? Uh oh. Oh my lantern! There we go. Did you break the internet? I don't know. Something. I touched something, and all of a sudden there was something there that shouldn't have been there. That sounds weird. All right. This one comes from Gabe in Nashville. He says, "Hey y'all." Hey. Thanks for reading my email. I just wanted to give you uh, some of my favorite anthems. I consider an anthem really anything that encapsulates a feeling in a song, and it can come in many different forms, whether it's Jukebox Hero or Everything is Awesome, a la the Lego movie. <laughs> okay. Are you familiar with the Lego movie? I am not. Okay. Um, I just think it's funny that that's considered an anthem. <laughs> well, do you know the song? No. Okay, I'm going to try to give you a taste of this. This is this is the song 
Lego Movie is really a cute movie. It's fun. And and it's really it's all about um, basically this guy, voiced by Chris Pratt, lives in a town that's kind of really controlled. And like the one song that plays all the time is the song, "Everything Is Awesome," and and everyone, all the Lego people love it because they're conditioned to or told to love it. Basically, um, they're brainwashed. They're, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's not hard to brainwash a Lego person. Let's be honest. But uh, the, <laughs> these have been have done. brains. No, it's just a peg. Sticking up in there. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool. And we're part of the team. Yeah. So. Turn it off! <laughs> it's funny in the context of the movie. Um, I'll take your word for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing like Batman's music that he writes in the movie. That he... Um, uh, that he that he he says he, basically he's like he does his own thing <clears throat> and um this is let me see if this is it here what was I installed in the back I call them the dogs listen to a bark uh, can you turn that down a little bit this is a song I wrote for wild stuff darkness darkness <laughs> no that's great. <laughs> Batman's a true artist. He's, dark. he's got his girlfriend. He's like, Batman's a true artist. He's got this. So, um, <laughs> but there's one point. There's one point where they're trying to infiltrate the bad guy's lair, and um, and they're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And they just look and they're like, uh, "Just singing my favorite song. Everything is awesome." <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, that's my jam!" And they start getting into it. So anyhow. I don't know that it's an anthem. But anyway, I'm only listing one that you listed because I want to mention songs you may not have heard of or would not expect. Of course, everyone wants to do that. Crap it. I'm cracking my knuckles right now, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Here are my five favorites. Overrated by Less Than Jake. Okay. Do you know that? I know Less Than Jake. I know I'm not that big of a fan of them. Oh, okay. This <laughs> song is the ultimate outsider song, so it's perfect for me. Okay, well, wow, Gabe. Gabe's the ultimate outsider. <laughs> Gabe, I feel like you've got a home here in the Goliverse, so I can't. I know. Yeah, you can't be. You can't be calling yourself. Listen, we don't do emo outsiders around here. We're all included, even the emo outsiders. So, it kind of defeats the purpose. It's because it's saying how uh, all the stuff everyone loves is just overrated, such as sex, drugs, and classic rock. What? What? I just want to say that at least one out of three of those not overrated. At least two or three of those. Not overrated, man. <laughs> Agreed. Come on. If you're a Warp Tour guy or gal, this song is your anthem. I don't know about that. I, I was a Warp Tour gal. Now, this is... This, <laughs> I'm, I'm scared to read this next one to you, Kristen. Okay. Long Live Rock and Roll. Great title. By Daltrey. No. This is a non-traditional rock anthem because the lyrics are something I know both of you would love. The music is more campfire Americana rock and roll than what he sings about. In the song, my favorite lines are, We still argue about who's better, Motley Crue or GNR. We can't believe Van Halen turned into Van Hagar. And the record shops are gone for good and no one seems to care but you and me and all our friends keep living on that prayer. That's a fun little lyric. <laughs> but it's I feel like he's trying to get the cheap... Uh... Get the cheap the, cheers. Yeah, well, in the wrestling business, we call that the cheap pop. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like when you see a band and they're like, what's up, New Jersey? And yeah. they'll say like they'll say the state yeah. or the city 700 times just to get cheers. And it's, it's like, dude, you got to earn my my applause. Yeah, I always, when, when they do that and I'm at a show, I'm always like, he said the name of the place we are in. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, be nice about this next one. This is just not a good time for, for Kristen's nice card to come out and play. Yeah, yeah. Life's a Happy Song by the Muppets. I mean, it, that's okay. Yeah. Of course, this isn't necessarily rock and roll, but try listening to this song and not being at least a little bit happy. I'm already happier just thinking about it. This is the feel-good anthem. Um, do I have Life's a... I, don't have, I will be surprised if you do not. I See, I'm trying to think of... I don't know if he's talking about this. It starts out with, with um. Let me let me see. I'm sorry. Life is a funny thing. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you laugh and sing. Sometimes you grumble and cuss. But no, that's that's we got us. I don't. Life's a happy song by the Muppets. I. Kristen, I gotta know what this is because I feel like I should know it. You've been stumped. You might have. They might have just stumped the Steve. I mean, they did just stump the Steve. So <laughs> it's time for our. It's time for this segment of the show. <laughs> Let me Google that for you. Let me Google that for you. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Oh, life's a happy song from the movie from the Muppets. Okay, yeah. I, how do I not have this? I'm anyway, <laughs> yeah, I am too. I thought I had I the Muppet. More from you. I swore I had the Muppet soundtrack, but anyhow, um, yeah, the Admiral put it up there for us. She googled it for us. <laughs> Thanks, Admiral. I'm not going to play it right here. Um, number two, uh, he's counting them down. Look what happened by Less Than Jake. All, like all the less than Jake. Yeah. Another by this band, he says, they have an entire album of anthems. The album is called. Anthem. Anthems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called Anthem. <laughs> it's awesome. This song is about just getting out of the boring town you live in. It doesn't really fit with your definition of being necessarily easy to sing along to, but this is a song that got me to love this band. At last but not least, my all-time favorite anthem is Jukebox Hero by Foreigner. This is my anthem. I was in a band in high school, and I've never been happier. Of course, the drummer and the bass player let some girl get in the middle of the band. Couldn't survive that stupidity. This song, however, describes me, and it's just amazing. There's always a Yoko in there, isn't there? It's got a one guitar. Yeah. Bam. And yeah. Um yeah, and and the story room really reminds me more of Summer of sixty nine. Yeah. Johnny quit and Johnny got married. Never know, never give up. Just don't let a girl come between anything. That's right. And when I look back now that's I'm I'm now I'm stuck in Summer of 69. Good luck with the podcast, y'all, and thanks for eating. And remember Meat Loaf's mantra, never stop rocking. Yeah. That's that's Gabe from Nashville, Tennessee. Gabe, don't mean to be hard on you. I don't know less than Jake at all. (laughs) So I do know the Muppets, and and Life's a Happy Song from that movie is, is, it is a great song. I don't know that I call it an anthem. Uh Uh-oh. Steve calling Gabe out. Matthew Marks chimes in and i think i think we've done this one but i'm i'm gonna read it out i'll i'll yell at you if we have okay hey guys love the show 
Although sometimes I feel like Kristen would punch me in the face if I ever ended up talking music with her. Most of the rock and roll songs I enjoy are the hits. Many of my favorite rock and roll songs were songs I first heard on Guitar Hero. Wow. Now, you know what? I'm going to say this. That's fine. If Guitar Hero did one thing, it introduced a generation to good music. It did, and it kind of made an uncool, a quote, quote fingers, uncool generation all of a sudden be cool. That's right. I wouldn't recognize a member of Def Leppard even if he walked right up to me and said, let's get rocked. Whew! Yep. Mm -mm. Uh, I just enjoy the music, even if I don't know who sings what most of the time. So that all, all off my chest, or with all that off my chest, I, I, easy for me to say, I hope I'm still allowed to listen to the show. Of course you are. We need the downloads. All we can get. I came across <laughs> this video the other day. <laughs> he said, I came across this video the other day. My mother-in-law showed it to me because she's in a bagpipe band. I don't think we've heard this one, Steve. This is uh, the Bad Piper. I've made a special poster just for you, Danny. You know what? We played something by this guy, but he was he was performing out in the old streets. Yes. Yeah, and uh, this is he's doing Thunderstruck on Australia's Got Talent, and it's not loading up anymore. It stopped. I like the Bob Piper. I just have Gee a feeling it could be a one-trick pony. Here we go. Let's give it a listen. No, we won't. Never mind. <laughs> the Bad Piper. Everyone's into it. Just get to the song. There it is. That's what I wanted to hear. That part. <laughs> I mean, look, the bagpipes, hardest instrument in the world to play, apparently. That and the harp are very hard, I hear. Yeah, that's what I hear. Uh, Roddy, Roddy Roddy Piper came in fifth in the world in the bagpipes, playing the bagpipes. That's pretty impressive. It is, it is. And um, this guy is impressive as well, doing this stuff. I saw his street performance, and he blows the fire out of the, the stacks and what have you. Um, if Now, if if the end of this was... Uh, ACDC, like if this were like the finale of the show or what have you, and ACDC came out on stage and played with him, then I'd be involved. That'd be great, yeah. I would be totally into that. Uh, Matthew Mark says, P.S. After buying and listening to The Awesome Mix Volume 1, I was totally going to suggest you do an episode called Songs to Guard the Galaxy 2 or something like that, going through the soundtrack. But of course, you were one step ahead. I see in my podcast feed, you've already recorded and posted one. Can't wait to listen. And Boom. that's from Matthew Marks. Yeah, Matthew, we're here for you. We're here for we're, you. We're here to please the people. That's right. Jessica, Jess Becker chimes in. She says, hi, guys. Hi. Just thought, okay. <laughs> Kristen's so excited to be back. I am. I'm excited to talk to the people. <laughs> I am back. I am so glad to be back. I am. Okay. I just did some 
lines of coke, Steve. Come oh wow. On. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you are living the rocks lifestyle tonight. But you know what? Coke's more of an '80s thing, and we're totally. There's a lot of '70s stuff we're bringing out tonight. We really are. We are breaking out stuff from the '70s. She says hi, guys. I just thought I would drop in and give some of my thoughts about '90s music. <clears throat> I think we might have read this. Okay, I'm a '90s kid. Mm-hmm. So while I was... she talks about Green Day. Yes. Yes, we we did this on the '90s episode. All right, Jess. There you go. We've done Sorry, yours Jess. already. Yeah, yeah. Calvin Bigelow. Hello. Hello, Calvin. Chimes in. He says, "Hey there, Kristen and Steve. What are some of the sad songs you'll listen to to this day, even though they still make you cry?" Mm. He says, "I've got a few that I still listen to. House of Pain by Faster Pussycat." Yeah. No idea. Oh my God, Steve! It's so good. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well. Total 80s, like, hair metal power ballad, but not about a girl, about, like, a broken home. It's great. Let me Google that for you. <laughs> I'm going to laugh every time you play that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Here we go. Hold on. <laughs> was that lyric really was it's a little past summertime? I'm still sitting on the front porch step on my behind. Yeah. Supper time. Oh, supper time. Okay. All right. Well that's yeah, it's about a broken home. Bridge by Queensryche. Okay. Oh my god, don't even get me started on Queensryche. Oh go go ahead. I just, I, Steve, I really don't like them. Okay, all right. <laughs> like at all. And Ugly Kid Joe's cover of Cats in the Cradle. And a cat's in the cradle and a silver spoon, yeah. Is that really sad? Uh, yeah, it's all about um, father-son relationships, Kristen. Oh. It's about a dad that doesn't have time for his son, and then when he gets old and he wants to spend time with his son, his son has no time for him. Oh. His boy was just like me, yeah. My boy was just like me. And the cat's in the cradle in the... Yeah, it's really... Ter- it's tragic. Uh, these three songs have to do with the father-son relationship, something I'd always wished I'd had. Wow, Calvin. Calvin, you gotta listen to Independence Day by Springsteen, and you gotta listen to the version of The River from Live 7585 by Bruce. And you gotta warn us that you're gonna get real in these things. <laughs> you gotta have, like, a, uh, a disclaimer. Yeah. Disclaimer, I'm about to get real. Um, House of Pain and Bridge are the two that uh, get choked up to the most. I don't really want to go into much detail, but most of the lyrics to both of these always gets me crying or at least misty-eyed when the wife and kids are around. Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. Knowing the backstory of the song always gets me choked up. Being a father of three awesome kids and a truly understanding wife, me being a small-time comic uh, Star Wars collector, I could not imagine the pain that Clapton and then his wife, Lori Del Santo, went through. That's true. Uh, Last Kiss, covered by Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to put this song on the playlist when the fam and I were going on a trip. My oldest daughter said, Dad, play that song again. 
She wanted to li- really listen to the lyrics closer, so when the song was over, she was crying pretty good, which made me get misty-eyed. Yes, Even I Miss You by Miley Cyrus. The song is a guilty pleasure. What? Yeah. Where did that come from? That noise you just heard was Kristen's utter shock that someone would bring Miley Cyrus to rock out loud. I feel like, I, I feel like, I don't know, I make the weirdest noises on the show because you guys just surprise <laughs> the hell out of me sometimes. Back in early 08, I was walking by my oldest daughter's room, who was 10 years old at the time, when I heard her crying. So I asked her what was the matter. She said that this song reminded her of Grandma, my mom who had died in September of 07. So I had to hear it. Lo and behold, I could not stop the waterworks. I could do nothing but embrace my daughter and tell her Grandma would be so proud of her for thinking about her. Gee whiz. This is a really serious email. Good night. So, hopefully, this email uh, isn't too much of a downer. I was just curious to get some of the, uh, to get about some of the songs that make you cry uh, or get misty eyed. Thanks for the best music podcast out there, and that's from Cal in Arizona. Cal, um, wow, that's a Kristen. I let me tell you, man, I like some really sad songs, a lot of sad songs, like songs that make me cry. Like if you get me on the right day, Bed of Roses by Bon Jovi, like will just make me sob. Like it just hits me like Independence Day by Springsteen will all get to me racing in the street by Springsteen will get to me Um, drive all night by Springsteen will get to me. I mean, Bruce has got a lot of stuff like I mean. Like, there's a lot of songs off the rising that I just can't listen to because it just, like, they're so intense. Like, I can't do it. Hmm. I am, I don't really, I can't, I mean. Do you have no heart? It's not that I don't have any heart. It's that, I, <laughs> you know what song just will still to this day break me down? Uh, it's the song that they were playing in Smallville on the last episode of Smallville when Clark and Lois were walking down the aisle. Oh my God, Steve! Me too. I was just watching that clip the other day. <laughs> I mean, and and I mean, just hearing that song will bust me up. Here we go. This is for Cal. Turn up those sad songs, Cal. Little Elton John on Rocky Out Loud. Something you never thought you'd see or hear. Sing it, Elton. And ironing out the rough spots is the hardest spot with memories remain. And that's times like these when we all need. What are some other sad songs that I um I honestly there's not much. Now there my thing is is am I in a situation and a song makes me feel something more in that moment? Turn them on, turn up those sad songs, when all hope is gone. I just really just broke Kristen. <laughs> no, like, I mean, Elton John, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. I mean, <laughs> that song, Croc- that song gets to me. Crocodile Rock. Um, That song gets to me. Uh, I, But I'm not, there's not like songs that I'll hear and feel like oh this makes me cry so much it a lot of times it's circumstances and it's when you run smack dab into a song that just speaks of the circumstance you're in the midst of Mm -hmm. you know now there are a lot of songs that i feel 
And, and, you know, way back when, when we first started this, I said, you know, for me, it's about, do I feel it? And, and whether it's because I feel it just from the music standpoint, from what's being played or from the lyric standpoint. Um, and there are some songs that I just feel a lot of counting crows, especially off their first album, August and everything after, man, I feel that stuff. Um, good Lord. Uh, <clears throat> even some of, um, oh, uh, tonic. Um, has some stuff that I'm just like, oh, I feel these guys. <laughs> I feel this so much. But um, well, didn't you say you were telling me about that bare naked lady song, right? Isn't there a bare naked lady song that, that'll get to you? That'll get to me. Yeah, like a part something about an apartment. Oh no, huh? that just I just love that song. Oh okay. Yeah, I feel it, but not in a not in a I'm so depressed feel it kind of way. Okay. Yeah. I was an emo kid, Steve. I got a lot of depressing music under I my. I hear you. Mouth. I hear you, but I, I'm just not, you know, maybe I'm just, um, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just, maybe I am heartless. <laughs> so, and, uh, finally Doc Zen emails in him. He says, uh, you wanted an email, so here you go. Well, okay, bye for now. Such a troll. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what he's kind of become, huh? The ultimate troll. <laughs> Moving right along. I just saw in the chat where Stephen <laughs> Michigan says, this show is going to be depressing, ain't it? Tonight on a special Rock Out Loud. So come on. <laughs> so come on. Turn up those sad songs. You can chime in on the stuff we talk about by emailing us at rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. Rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. And, um, and we'd love to hear from you about what's going on with you and your musical taste. Now, tonight, as I said, our, our, our topic is, was challenging for me. And not because... I feel like every topic we do is always challenging for you, Kristen. It is. <laughs> because like there's so much that you want to throw in there. And at first, I was concerned because most of the music that I discover when I discovered, especially now in the era of you know music on demand... I will just go find the song that I hear, you know, I'll sound hound it or shazam it, if you will. And then I'll go find it and just add it to my collection, what have you, um, through iTunes or Amazon by using the Amazon link at geekoutonline.com. And, um, and, and what, and so a lot of times I don't have complete albums of stuff or I love best of compilations, you know, so I have a lot of best of stuff. And so I'm like, well, how in the world am I going to know what's a first track and what's not a first track? Well, then I started digging around with just various and sundry groups, you know, that I enjoy. And before you know it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, which album am I going to pick from now? Right? <laughs> it's so hard. And it's so funny, Steve, because, like, what you just said, I am the complete opposite of you. Like, if you look on my iPod, it is full albums. Right, and it is, right. like, I ha the artwork has to be right. Everything's got to be in there. Like I do not play when it comes to my iTunes library. Well, now I will. I now in my iTunes library, I will make sure that um, that I have the album listed from which the track came, and it's got the out the correct album art and everything. But a lot of times, I just don't have the full album because I don't know if I want the full album. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, well, with these new bands, I mean, right? Ugh. With these newfangled guys. Jeez, let's be honest. Make a full album, guys. <laughs> All killer, no filler. It's a little thing in the 70s. You know, it was a pretty good mantra. Mm, yep, yep. 
So, so we're going to take a journey through a couple of albums and just listen to the first tracks and talk about the first tracks from said albums. Now, um, of we've got 10 tracks on here. And of the 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 are from the 70s. There would have been 7, but I made a last-minute change on mine because I couldn't I stand it. Because I couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand <laughs> it. Um, you had to get your boys in there. All of these, except for one, are from before Kristen was ever born. Uh-huh. Uh, one, <laughs> two, three of them are from before I was actually born. So some of them came out my birth year. Dun, dun, dun. I know, right? Um, what makes a good first track on an album, Kristen? I mean, there there's a few different things for me. Like, and there's definitely only one of them that I listed tonight that goes along with this first thing. But I love an intro to an album that isn't necessarily a song. Like, it is it is a true introduction. Like, My Chemical Romance um, has a song called um, The End on their Welcome to the Black Parade concept album that I love, where it's not it's not necessarily a song. It's not a full-blown song. It's just an introduction to, you know, the craziness that is about to be laid upon you. Um, but then I, like, I also like intro songs that it's, like, it kind of sums up the album. And a lot of songs I picked are, like, on my list are a lot of people's first ever introductions to said band. Hmm. So it's not like off, you know, CD six, seven, eight, where they were an established band. A lot of the tracks ones I pick are off of the band's biggest albums, where that's what the general public that was buying the album was hearing for the first time. Yeah, yeah. It, I feel like it's got to introduce you to what you're going to be hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big, big fan of an introductory track the way you are. <laughs> I'm like bring usher me in with the music immediately. Um I because I just I want to get right into the meat of what is about to happen in my life here. <laughs> and so, you know what I'm saying so it's 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 a it's kind of a it's a little bit of a different take for me. Um and when you're talking about rock, I feel like if it if it's real rock then the album then it needs to it needs to at least begin the process of melting your face. Yes. Um, and it and it needs to it needs to just kind of catch your attention right from the get go. You you can't. I, I feel like sometimes um, with the with like when you have an introduction track kind of thing like you're talking about, you're just kind of waiting a little bit to get to a hook. And I feel like a first track should get you hooked in quick. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> then you're going to hate one of my songs if you haven't listened to it already. <laughs> well, it's interesting. And I tell you, this uh, I wanted to, I, I, I have been wanting to feature more by the first band here, and so I, I intentionally sought these guys out to see which uh, what, which first track was, was my favorite of theirs. And it came, and gosh, it was hard. It was yep. so hard. Um, and, and then I started discovering some more like newer stuff by them. And I'm like, well, this is really good too. And so I'm like, well, maybe I should just pick this and really throw a curve. No. So, um, but appropriately enough, uh, this is feels like the first time by foreigner from their self-titled album from 1970 and seven.
This is a big honkin' show staple song. Oh yeah! I mean, it really is. Well, um, and uh, I've lost my lost my volume control there. <laughs> and uh, it is. I just I love this song from start to finish. And to me, it's that thing like this was this was Foreigner's debut. Yep. And and so you go to the record store and and yeah, you might have heard some gotten some stuff that had some radio play or what have you. Dropped my pen. Um, but but now. You know, you've you've gotten it home, and and you put it on your record player. You you get that needle going, and you're immediately introduced into this full sound that just has everything to it. I mean, they they're rocking the keys in the background. That drum is driving it. You know, the guitar starts. That riff starts hitting, and uh, and it's not long before you get into the vocals, and then the harmonies on that chorus. My Atlanta, Foreigners just. I mean, they are just a solid, solid group all the way around. Even with um. Oh, uh, what's the what's the guy who's doing vocals for him now? Kelly Hansen. Yeah, even with him, um, yep. you know they're just a solid, solid group all the way around. They really are. I mean, and like like you said, I mean, talk about a first track that totally sums up like a band. Like if you were going to give someone like you know if you were talking to someone that had never heard Foreigner before and they're like sum up foreigners music to me in one song i mean this is definitely a song that you can give them agreed yeah it's it's absolutely has everything that foreigner is like it's that straight up american rock and roll like you know simple songwriting but made for arenas made to be sung along to i mean it just it just doesn't play and the fact that this album like just take a second to think that after this song, like the second song on this album is Cold as Ice. Yes, I know, right? I mean, <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? This thing this thing was a punch in the face right right on through. Um it it is I, I was looking at it and I was shocked um by by the tracks on this thing because I, I can't think of any it's been there it's so rare that a group comes out with a debut album and just knocks it out of the park that way you know and they do with with all kinds of things just let me real quick let me um long long way from home is on there yep good night um all these are so good star rider (laughs) star rider head knocker um yeah but oh I mean, my aunt has said forever, like when we went to see Foreigner for the, or I, I might have been her first time too, but the, definitely the first time I saw Foreigner, you know, she and I were talking on the way, on the way to the show and she was like, in the 70s, it was impossible to listen to the radio because obviously like the radio is what you listen to back then mm-hmm. for new music. And she was like, you cannot get away from Foreigner. It was to the point where you're like, I am sick of this song. Like, you need to stop playing, like, Cold as Ice and Feels Like the First Time and Hot Blooded. Like, you just yeah. need to stop. Oh, Hot Blooded. Right? Oh, that is so good, though. <laughs> we need to do a Foreigner podcast. We do. We do at some point. We do at some point. But, um, so... Yeah, so I just think, and you're, you know what, you said it best. If if someone said, 
explain Foreigner to me in one song, I think that's a perfect song to hand them. Oh, yeah. It would be Feels Like the First Time. But uh, we got to move on here, and we move on to one of the greatest of all times, The Boss. My boy. Yes, ma'am. With uh, Thunder Road, the first track off of the 1975 album, Born to Run. Screen door slams, Mary's dress waves. Like a vision, she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Hey, that's me, and I want you only. Don't turn me home again, I just can't face myself. Inside, darling, you know just what I'm here for So you're scared and you're thinking that maybe we ain't that young anymore Show a little faith, there's magic in the night You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're alright Oh, and that's alright with me You can hide your colors and study your I was getting lost in the song, Kristen. Right? It just, oh, I mean, pick a line. It's perfect. Every lyric of this song is just unbelievably beautiful and perfect. And 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 what I like about it, just from a musical standpoint, is the way it builds. Yep. You know, until you finally get to the chorus here, and it's just like, oh, and, and you know, it just starts out with that long harmonica, and then and they just add and add and add. You know, the rest of the band comes in and. And, the, and like you say, the lyrics are just killer to this song. Thunder Road is just amazing. I mean, like, there is, um, Bruce did Storytellers on VH1 a while back when they were still doing that show. And he did this big, like, the last song that he played was Thunder Road. And, you know, he played the entire song. And then he talked about it. And he said that, you know, this song, it, it was my big invitation like it starts off and it sounds like an invitation and it was a big invitation to the audience and you know me and anyone that I could get to listen um and then he says and I'm going to read this because I think it's so beautiful um but he says hopefully in the company of someone you love people you love and in search of a home that you can feel a part of and I think that for me like it resonates because just like I mean I can throw I, when I lived in Florida I listened to so much Bruce Springsteen when I was there and it just made me appreciate and it made me feel like I was home even though I was in Florida. So that that's my bit of seriousness on this topic. And secondly, th- like this song has given me one of the best live Springsteen moments I've ever had in my life. It was the craziest, loudest crowd in Philadelphia I've ever been a part of. And it lit like I had earplugs in and it was ear splitting loud with the crowd singing back, you know, the show a little faith. There's magic in the night. You ain't a beauty, but Hey, you're all right. And that's all right with me. Oh, so good. I have goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love your live stories. I love them. Um, 
god like seriously i die like that video is on youtube it is favorited like it's unbelievable. It was it was a magical, magical night at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Now, as it as it pertains to the song being the first track of an album, this "Born to Run" was uh, his third album, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and really one of the first big hits uh, as far as an album goes. Just looking at the numbers here, you know, it's six times platinum mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, peaked at number three on the US charts and um and it was his last shot. If Born to Run didn't make it, Springsteen was basically gonna be, you know, sequestered to the New Jersey bar scene if right. Born to Run wasn't a success. And the first time that Bruce ever listened to Born to Run, he threw the record in the pool because he he hated it. It's he was like, it sounds nothing like what I envisioned it sounding like and he threw it in a pool. Wow. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine. Can't imagine. Right? And uh, and so it hits big. So you you buy this record. Obviously, there were there were fans of Springsteen prior to this album coming out, and you know obviously there were people who were listening, just not maybe enough for the record labels and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how what just I mean, what do you think as far as just this kind of being the introduction? You know, you said it best. He talks about it being an invitation in. Mm-hmm. Um, does it work? That, on that level for you? I think it, it does. I mean, it's not, you know, one of the most rockin' Springsteen songs in that first, you know, few minutes. And then, like you said, it builds up into this thing. And Springsteen is all about that, you know, that wall of sound, all of those instruments and that incredible band that he has just, you know, having their own individual part, but at the same time, you know, being able to hear all of it individually and I mean, once it gets to the last line of that song where, you know, he says, but when you get to the porch, they're gone on the wind. So Mary climb in. It's a town full of losers and I'm pulling out of here to win. Mm. Uh, and then like the piano, like, you know, you go down all 88 keys on the piano and then Clarence comes in with the sax. <laughs> uh, you go down it, all 88 keys on the piano. <laughs> it does. It's what, it, that's what happens. It's just, it's. It's incredible. And I mean, it definitely does set you up. I mean, the lyrics of this song set you up for what you're about to experience on this album because, I mean, the lyrics of, of the Born to Run album are absolutely insane, you know, with songs like Backstreets and Meeting Across the River and Jungle Land. Like, you were in for an epic journey. And I think that Thunder Road is definitely an epic journey in and of itself. Yeah, it's, uh, well, all of his songs are epic journeys. I mean, so many of them. My Atlanta. Yep. Um, I just, uh, I, I have, I have learned thanks to you in this podcast, my love and appreciation for Springsteen has just grown by leaps and bounds. Yay! So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, moving on on the list here, uh, I had to have one by this group in here, and 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 this one is a pertinent one, um, even though a little devilish. Uh, this is uh, from the album Back in Black by ACDC, uh, released in 1980. Um, well, there's only one way to to open it up. There you go.
Bells Bells by ACDC. Yes. Uh, off of Back in Black. Now, this album was... This album is notable because this is the first album uh, with uh, no Bond Scott. Mm-hmm. He had died, and Brian Johnson had stepped in. And um, and this is really... Um, <clears throat> this It's got a really weird story behind it, you know, when you listen to, like, the making of the album and everything. Yes. Um, it is interesting to me. Mutt Lang produced it. Yep. Who also worked with Def Leppard, you know, one of our favorites. But um, this is uh, this is one of those. This is it's interesting to me because I, I've never been and and wouldn't have been at three years old an ACDC fan necessarily. Um, but I, you know, I, I've never had the opportunity. Well, I guess with Black Ice I did, and that opened up with Rock and Roll Train, and I'm like, yeah, this is my new favorite song of all time. That is your jam. That is my jam. But um, Every time I hear it, I think of you. But I mean, I just imagine being a fan who you know, Doug ACDC and all of their satanic ways, <laughs> you know, back in the day and just wondering well, what now, you know, yep. what now Bon Scott's gone, how in the world are they going to do this? And, um, and so they get this new lead singer and you have no idea what he's going to end up sounding like you buy the album. And I mean, they ease you into this album in a very foreboding way. You know, with the with the bell ringing, and then that guitar just starts traveling on with you, and the kick in that bass, and then, oh, uh, and then and then here come the vocals, and it's like, I thought Bon Scott was dead, right? You know, it's it's just it is, it is pretty amazing. Um, they took a risk, man. Yeah, like that could succeed or fail having someone, you know. If he's not as good as, you know, the original guy, like you're going to have people that are going to nitpick and everything. But I mean, ACDC had lightning in a bottle with this album. Yeah. Like it's I think it's like it's the second or third best selling album of all time. It might be the second best selling album of all time behind Thriller. Really? It's, yeah. It is just jam. Like I mean, it is every song on here is a hit for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it It's. It's crazy. Um, uh, just looking at the track listing, uh, Shoot the Thrill is track two. And yeah. everyone knows all that. Of course, Back in Black, the, the title track, Shook Me All Night Long, Have a Drink on Me, Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution. Those are the big ones, yep. you know, off of the air. But even Giving the Dog a Bone, let me, yeah, this whole thing is just, it is, it is shock full of, from, from first to last. Mm-hmm. It is, it is a, it is a, it's full of hits. It really is, and it's one of those things that doesn't. Uh, worldwide, Back in Black is the second best-selling album of all time behind Thriller. Boom! Yeah. Well Look at done. that knowledge. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Um, I think it's funny with Back in Black, too, like the album in general, not just Hell's Bells. Like, ACDC is a band, like, you know, they don't reinvent the wheel. You know, they rock, they rock hard, they're great. Like, all the songs in this album are really long for ACDC. Like every song in this album is like five minutes long. Mm-hmm. And usually ACDC, they're like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like you say, they don't reinvent the wheel. They know what, what rocks with them. And, and, and this one, they went a little bit longer, but gosh, what a good, good album and a great way to open up the whole thing. It's just so good. I feel like it's almost almost an homage to Bond too, like with those yeah. bells, you know, yeah. and it has that eeriness to it. It has that darkness to it. But I mean, 
if you're a rock fan and you hear the intro to Hell's Bells and like the hairs on your arms don't stand up, like I don't know that you're really a rock fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that the minute you start hearing, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yep. And it's like it never it never really reaches that peak where you're just like, you know, crazy and headbanging, but you're just the whole time you just just you you know. Yep. <laughs> Though that's for the later songs. Yeah. On the album. Well, uh, the very next one. Yep. You know. <laughs> They're prepping you. They're easing you into it. There you go. There you go. Well, from ACDC uh, to another one of our favorites, and with no secret, we make no secret about Love and Bon Jovi. We've done a show dedicated to them. And uh, off of Slippery When Wet, Kristen again saying, you know, picking the ones that were the big hits, you know, the ones that people would have been introduced to. The, the general public would have been introduced to these guys with. This is from uh, Slippery With Wet, their album, Gee whiz, from 1986. We've we've moved into the 80s all of a sudden. Yes, buddy. This is Let It Rock. I mean, we're firmly entrenched in the 80s with this song. Yes, we are. You hit those keys with that. Uh, I mean, it sounds like you're straight out of uh, John Hughes' movie yes. with the way this thing goes. I love it. Oh, my gosh. What a, you know, and this, this gets into your, they have a little intro before the song actually begins. Yep. And, like, this is a big part of Bon Jovi shows in the 80s, too, because you would have, like, this 
five minute guitar keyboard duel where you would have Richie, you know, you know, doing his crazy solos and then you would have David doing his on the keys. So it was like this back and forth. Mm. So then when it finally started, like the crowd was like so excited and like jazzed up, like once they hit and everyone's just going, whoa, like the crowd just goes ballistic. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I just, I got chills just thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and the thing with like Slippery and Wet, I mean, I know that the huge, like the three songs, like the three huge hits off there, like Bad Name, Wanted, and Prayer, Mm -hmm. like everyone knows those songs those are songs that are so ingrained into you know the woodwork of our culture yeah but like this album it was recorded in vancouver and they lived it up when they were in vancouver they were all about the partying they were out every night drinking girls the whole nine and i feel like let it rock is such a party anthem Mm -hmm. like I mean, they say it, it's all right if you have a good time, you know, <laughs> like it is there to be like, you know what, this, this music and this album is going to be all about, you know, good times, fun, you know, you're not going to be sitting there, you know, contemplating world issues when you're listening to this album, you know, it's all about having fun and rocking out. And I mean, my, my first screen name ever was, you know, Captain Kid 1590. <laughs> True facts. That was my aim screen name. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, one five ninety is my birthday. <laughs> We're January birthday buddies. Yeah. So you're not a Capricorn though. You're an Aquarius. That's well, yeah. If you if you worry about crap like that, um, hey, you heard me. I do worry about crap like that. Well, that's ridiculous. Whatever. You heard me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I do. I really do dig this track. This whole album's good. It's got one of my favorite Bon Jovi songs on it. It's "Raise Your Hands." It was featured uh-huh. in Spaceballs back in nineteen, not long after it came out, by the way, because Spaceballs was eighty six or eighty seven, and so to have "Raise Your Hands" in there it was just hilarious to me. So it was very appropriate. Indeed. I can't believe that Spaceballs came out in eighty <laughs> seven. Yeah, was it? I think it was. <clears throat> Might have been eighty seven. Might have been the summer of eighty seven. So, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, anyhow. Now, Kristen, as we move on here, the other night we were on the Big Honkin' Show talking, you and I. Excuse me while I cough. And, <laughs> I forgive um, you. <laughs> thank you. And um, somehow I mentioned Boston while we were talking. Uh-huh. And your statement was, Boston only had that one good album. They did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, dis- I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and and to do so I present you with the first track off of their sophomore outing Don't Look Back and uh, that was the name of the album by the way and the song is of the same name Don't Look Back this is from 1978 Boston <laughs>
I'm sorry. What now? What? Steve, every song on this album. Like, here's this is my problem. Okay. Okay. This is my problem with Boston Album 2. I think it came out like a year after the first album. Mm -hmm. it, it was very close. Right. But there's no change from the first album to the second album. Every song on that <clears throat> second album, it all sounds exactly the same. Well, see, I don't know that it all sounds exactly the same, but it, to me, one of the things I like about Boston is their consistency. Um, and, and, and what I like about Don't Look Back is it's like they didn't, to me, I look at it and say, oh my God, it sounds, I don't look at it and say, oh my God, it sounds like, I look at it and say, well, they didn't lose a step. And it works to that end for me. Uh, same thing with Third Stage. Actually, this was two, let's see, this one was two years after. Third Stage came eight years later. Um, and, and of course now third stage starts out with Amanda of all things. Good Lord. <laughs> I want to take you by surprise. Thank you. But you know, each of these albums have some good stuff on them. I'm not, it's not hit after hit. It's no, it's no back in black. <laughs> you know, the first album was, it, well, was it? The first album is every, almost every Boston song that you know, aside from Don't Look Back and Amanda, is on that first album. Mm, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of good ones there. You know, More Than a Feeling, mm -hmm. Peace of Mind, Long Time. Foreplay, yep. Smoking. But, I mean, yep. you, you get over to, uh, to Third Stage. That's where you get Cool the Engines from, which is one of my favorites by Boston. Um, don't Look Back has Don't Look Back. It's a great start there. Uh, feeling satisfied, which is you know See, you're a big bigger hit. Boston fan than I am. Well, there you go. Because you're naming songs, I don't even know those songs. Oh, okay. You don't know <laughs> feeling satisfied? No. Yeah. And then uh, it was eight years later in 1994 when they released "Walk On," which you know not not the best outing in the world. <laughs> See, now I have a question for you, Steve. Mm -hmm. With Boston, do you think Boston was a case of video killed the radio star? Hmm. It might have been because they were very, you know, very high on, um, I say they, the thing about walk on is, um, uh, what's the guy's name? He basically did everything on that album except sing. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they were very much focused on, on the way they played and, and, and that sort of thing. And I don't know if they were ugly or not, but, uh. I don't think they were attractive. <laughs> but uh but yeah, it might it might very well have been that might have been the case. I mean, they're still making music. They just released an album last year that I've not really listened to. I need to give it a listen just, you know, out of out of the kindness of my heart, but <laughs> but you know, I'm just saying. Well, hey, if they're consistent, then Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, but you know, it'll be good for you. Yeah, well there does need to be some evolution, but I feel like, you know, your first couple albums, you know, you don't have to be Matchbox 20 necessarily, which, you know, we you know we love them. Mhm. Mm and uh and, and you don't have to be those guys and completely you know, and they didn't really completely change. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say I like Don't Look Back. I thought it was a great way to start <laughs> off a second album. It's no, it's no lay your hands on me. Oh, the only reason I didn't pick lay your hands on me because you know that with that killer intro, oh, yeah. is because we already gushed about that right. on our Bon Jovi right. episode. I try and pick songs that we haven't talked about. I yet. do, I do the same thing, and I like Don't Look Back. It's not my favorite Boston song, but I'm like, you know what? Hey, this is a good first track to me for this group. If you're a Boston fan, if you're not even a fan, but if you like their music, it's a good one. So, 
That's just all I'm saying. Now I wish I would have put my Petra song in here. <laughs> hey, I was actually digging that. Yeah, they were pretty good back in the day. I was digging that song. What year did that come out? Oh, my Atlanta. That it was... it sounded like late 80s. It did. It did. Okay. Uh, let me, I can tell you real quick. Um, I want to say it was like 85-ish. Okay. Maybe? That makes sense. Yeah. Um, 19... I'm sorry. I was wrong. 1988. Okay. Was, was that. Yeah. What was their 85 one? I'm sorry. I'm looking at... Oh, their 85 one was their last one with... Uh, their original lead singer. But anyhow, uh, moving on. <laughs> we just got lost. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're, one of these days, I'm going to, I don't know, I wonder who could come do a Christian rock show with me? You could find someone. Just for an episode. That would I be... mean, like I told you, I can do Christian rock, but it's going to be all screamo stuff that you're going to make Christian. Yeah. What <laughs> the heck are you listening to? And a striper track. <laughs> yes! And honestly, obviously, honestly. <laughs> Balance podcast. I'll find a place for it. I'll find a place or scraper somewhere. <laughs> they'll be there. They'll be around one day. They hey, will. he was on. Um, oh, what's the lead singer? Is it Matthew or Michael? Michael. S- sweet. Yeah, he was on Chris Jericho's podcast a few months back. He's Gr- a cool dude. And oh, he great interview. Pretty good looking. Yeah, great interview. Great. He sang with Boston for a little bit to bring it back around to Boston. He did. He yeah. did. My aunt actually has a striper Bible. Nice. Nice. The show, and when they threw the Bibles off, she caught one. I hear you. <laughs> so funny. You say that stuff. The reason why I am a semi-pack rat and why I have boxes with <clears throat> all my stuff I've ever got at concerts is because of Angie. <laughs> Bless your aunt. I love Angie, and I've never even met her. She's got clippings from concerts. Like she'll go to like see Ozzy, and then she'll clip out the newspaper clipping the next day, put that in there with the ticket. Like no joke, no joke. Scrapbooking before scrapbooking was cool. Seriously, I hear you. Well, let's move on to one of the greatest of all time. Oh yeah. I mean, really, truly, you can't. Uh, I'm not being sarcastic at all. This is uh, from 1971 off the album Hunky Dory. It's David Bowie with Cha 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 Changes. And my time was running wild A million dead-end streets And every time I thought I got it made It seemed the taste was not so sweet So I turned myself to face me But I've never caught a glimpse How the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Change it Turn and face the strange Change it Don't want to be a richer man Kristen, Kristen, you with us? Did we lose you on? Did we no, lose I'm you here. on changes? Oh, I was saying, go ahead, no. Kristen. Oh, you cut out for a second. I didn't hear any of that. Oh no, you didn't hear any of changes? <laughs> no, 
I heard changes, but after that, it was just this black void. Oh, man. Well, I'm so sorry. Look at us it's having okay. Skype issues. Stupid you Skype. You know Skype hates us. Yeah. So tell us, talk about David Bowie and some ch 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 changes. Well, first of all, I had issue. I did not know what to pick. It was the, it was between this and Space Oddity. Mm -hmm. Because Space Oddity is another track one. Yeah. But, I mean, the reason why I picked this song is, one, like, this song is so quintessential David Bowie. And this song is considered the first, like, his first American hit. So this is, like, obviously in the UK with, you know, the moon landing and all that sort of stuff like the uk was very aware of david bowie and everything like that but changes was when north america kind of got on the train and they were like who's this weird looking skinny british guy like who is that now i'll tell you this changes makes me think of the big honk show i've never been big into david bowie i know you I, have i not. don't i don't deny that and i just you know, his music is very hit or miss with me. Um, but this song always makes me think of the Big Honkin' Show because this song gets played probably once every other hour on the station that I worked at doing the Big Honkin' Show. Okay. And so it seemed like it was on as I was driving to work in the morning and as I was leaving and the radio station would be on, that's what would be playing all of a sudden. I'm like, what in the world? Ch-ch-ch-changes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now, so. Steve, what 80s movie does this remind you of? Oh, my Lanta. I don't, it does not remind me of one. What should it remind me of? The Breakfast Club. Is this in The Breakfast Club? The quote in the beginning of The Breakfast Club, like after they show, you know, the lockers and right. all that sort of stuff, there's a quote that comes on the screen and it says, and these children that you spit on as yeah. they try and change their world That's right. are immune to their con your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. That's right. And then it explodes and it does. And they, Anthony Michael Hall goes into his monologue. That's right. That's right. That so gun. good. Can't believe it. Also, fun facts. Nope. Uh oh. Well, I don't even have the fun facts bumper pulled up. I know. We need like a <laughs> siren. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute, time out. No, time out. One more time with the siren sound, please. I didn't know what I did. It was like, oh, oh. I made my own sound. Nice. Maybe. Fun fact time. Kristen with the fun fact. Bring fun it on. Out. Yeah. This was the last song that David Bowie ever performed live before he retired from performing live. Mm. Like, David Bowie is someone, like, I don't ever plan on having kids, but I would have a child and give it to someone, give someone my firstborn child for David Bowie for me to see him live. Wow. Yeah, that's, like, super intense, right? Like, so sad that I never got to see Bowie live. And, like, his last tour, phenomenal. Well, the fact that you say you would have a child. I know. Period. That's huge. I know. It's like, just let me see David Bowie, man. Like, oh, my God. I just love him so much. Now, we were... We... <laughs> I mean, there are definitely albums by Bowie that I do not dig. But for the most part, like, I got so much Bowie on my iPod. It's disgusting. And my aunt's like, I don't know how this happened. And I'll tell you how it happened. Labyrinth. La exactly. Now, listen, <laughs> I love some Labyrinth. Yeah, buddy. Now, um... <clears throat> I, I, I want to ask you because I don't know if it was you. We were talking a little bit about Tumblr earlier. 
Uh-huh. And the other day, there was a, a GIF set that came through on the Tumblr for me. And it was Bowie in the 70s, Bowie in the 80s, and Bowie in the 90s. Oh, I don't think that was me. You should reblog it. He looked like a vampire. Oh. I mean, like, just... Or maybe it wasn't the 90s. Maybe it was Bowie in the 70s, Bowie in the 80s, and then Bowie in Labyrinth. That's and, just beautiful. Yeah. And it was a lot of the, you know, different poses from various and such videos and everything. Well, I mean, Bowie has always said, he says that he's a collector. Like, he is a collector of personalities. Like, when he performs, he performs to, like... He, I mean, not to compare him to Madonna, but how Madonna does that, like, every album is a different, you know, character, mm-hmm. it's a different look, all that sort of stuff. Same with Bowie. Like, it's always a different character for the most part, every single album. It's it's three GIFs. It's 1972 Bowie from Ziggy Stardust. Oh, love it. 1980 Bowie from the music video Ashes to Ashes. Love it. And then 86 Bowie from the movie Labyrinth. Oh. I'm going to reblog it just for you. Good. Now, the best Bowie will always be... Labyrinth Bowie. Well, yeah. Always, Which, always. I got to tell you, as a kid, I never saw. I didn't get to see Labyrinth in the theater. I didn't get to see Labyrinth until it was out on home video. Um, but as a kid, seeing his picture on the the box because uh, he was the poster of uh-huh. Labyrinth, I was always like, "Is that a man or a woman?" It is a beautiful man. He was so androgynous to me. Oh, but uh, you know, now his I know. Hair? is beautiful the old goblin king oh the, i love this i'm reblogging it the, <laughs> i think that's from that show um what you call it oh and of course i'm not gonna be able to think of it now i think that's from a show okay yeah i was I just looking at, i was just looking at character yeah i was just looking at um one of them I'm like that doesn't really look like him no it's so not is but that's it, okay is it jimmy fallon I don't know. Okay. It's some British. What is that British show that was on HBO? I don't know. Oh, my God. Chat. Help me out. It was a British show, and it was on HBO, and it was like two guys mainly, and I can't remember what it is. <laughs> oh, uh, Flight of the Concords. Yes, that okay. one. Good Lord. <laughs> I don't you hate that when you just can't think of what it is. Ooh, uh, ooh, uh, uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fun fact. We're moving on. We go from someone who's hit or miss with me to someone that Kristen just can't stand. But I had to throw them in here. And this is where if I had a hard time before I got to this group and before I made the decision, and I did wrestle with putting this group in here, Kristen. Just okay. because I didn't want to, you know, be a downer on you. <laughs> if I had a hard time with anything else, if I had a hard time with Foreigner, if I had a hard time with any of these other, this was almost impossible. I just kept going back and forth from album to album to album to album to album. And finally I settled in on um, on the fourth outing from Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin 4, sometimes referred to as the Runes album. From 1970 and one, this is Black Dog. Hey, hey, mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. I got a way to shake that thing. 
I mean, I picked this over the immigrant song, and I love the immigrant song. I mean, there, it was it was so hard, so hard to pick a pick one. Um, but I went with this one because Led Zeppelin Four for a lot of people is, um, in, in a way, it, it's like it's like the, the the picks you've had. Led Zeppelin Four is that album that has, um, you know, the biggest hit by them of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stairway is on is is off of Led Zeppelin Four. And uh, and it ends with where the when the levee breaks and and it's just everything in between for me is just is just solid gold. I love it. it and and the feeling of this it's it you get that weird little noise they do beforehand, and then just Robert Plant's vocals just screeching out of your speakers and then, uh, bring it on Page, bring it on John Paul Jones, bring it on. Bonham, just do your thing, and they do, and it's great, and I love it. I do love how they let the vocals breathe on this song. Like there is the gaps, and there is like you do get to hear that signature, you know, how mm-hmm. of Robert Plant. I mean, and like you said, for for a lot of people, four is like the quintessential Zeppelin album. Yeah, even though to me it's not my favorite. What's your favorite? Uh, my favorite Zeppelin album. Good lord. Um, <laughs> Is oh geez, it's pro. Mm, I don't know. I love. I like in through the outdoor. Okay. Um. And uh, and and I like Coda, which has just a bunch of grooving different songs on it, that sort of thing. You know, it, it's more about Coda seems to me to be more about the music they're playing than anything else. How's the holy? It's so dang good. Good lord. Um. I just, I to me, there's not a Zeppelin album I don't like, but but four is not the one I always four is not my go to. Okay, you know, a lot of times I'll go to one, um, or 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 two. Uh, and two starts out. Good lord, two starts out with freaking whole lot of love. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all three, all four of these first albums, just like my Atlanta. What you know, you start out with the first album ever, Good Times, Bad Times. You know, and then two was a whole lot of love. Three is the immigrant song, which I absolutely love, and uh, and it's just like I I was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I was just like I don't know. I changed them like five times. <laughs> and fin- like I'm putting a Zeppelin song in there. I don't care. Yeah, and finally settled on four. Finally settled on Black Dog, like you say, because you know, oh gee whiz, I love going to California. I do like four a lot. I'm not trying to crap on it to raise anything else up. I want everyone to understand. And in the 90s, there was this album released um, called Encomium, a tribute to Led Zeppelin. And um, it was, uh, you know, it was hit or miss on, on some of the covers. It was just a bunch of people doing a bunch of different covers. But Never the Bride did a cover of Going to California. So good so good so good but i find with me like it might just be because you know the the big ones are so overplayed but i like with zeppelin i prefer like going to california and songs like tangerine oh tangerine is amazing yeah like i prefer those songs like those more like not even acoustic but like they have that very like clean picky kind of sound to them to you know any of those like black dog whole lot of love whatever right. and like i said it might just be because the other ones are so overplayed and i'm just sure. like stop playing them but oh man I'll, I'll give them that i do i do enjoy tangerine good night you throw some tangerine on and it's just 
Oh, I love it. It's over. <laughs> I, it is. I love it so much, you know, and a, a lot of their slower stuff I like, um, you know, that's a softer, a softer sound like that. I, I, I really dig. But anyhow. Mark, it's Steve. I said something nice about that. I one. know. And I really appreciate it. That was great. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Thank you. <clears throat> um, now I'm getting ready to go back to Satan. Yeah, now now back to the devil himself. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Zeppelin was not not a not a group that is uh, marked for their innocence in <laughs> in the world. Uh, but this is uh, this is the first track off of. Um, I got to find it here. Sorry, off of "Shout at the Devil," which sounds like it should be a Striper album. Yes, it should. <laughs> From 1983, it's Motley Crue. And uh, it's in the beginning. Oh yeah, you're hearing the song start. You just—it's one of those intros that Kristen likes so much. good that intro freaks me out oh i love that intro like when me when me and angie saw them this past summer and they did because we were looking at the set list and i was like Ange, because we love shout at the devil like shout at the devil is motley Crue's best album like hands down don't even care (laughs) oh it's so good but like before it said on the set list it was like in the beginning slash shout at the devil i'm like oh my god they're gonna do in the beginning they're gonna do it and they did the whole recording i was screaming at the top of my lungs steve like that intro is just so ba 
And I just love how it's like, you know, those who have the youth have the future. So come now, children of the beast, be strong and shout at the devil. And it goes right into those drums. <laughs> yeah, oh, I die. Phrases like children of the beast are why the Christian conservative right really looks at Motley Crue and is like, yeah, you're not good for our children. It does. It is. And But here's the thing. Here's the funny thing with shout at the devil. Like, shout at the devil is written about you know, any, like, it's written about the oppressors of, you know, youth. So, like, right. bosses, parents, teachers, like, anyone that is, like, holding you back and saying, like, you know, no, you can't listen to this music or no, you can't wear that leather jacket, stuff like that. You know, it's not about, like, oh, yeah, we're worshiping shit, Satan and he's the best and <laughs> all this stuff. You know, it's about, like, you know, you're, you're holding me back, man. Like, let me spread my wings and fly. <laughs> yeah um the um <clears throat> i'm just saying the whole in the beginning intro just it's freaky the oh. way it's done up it's just free like i'm not going to sleep tonight it's the engineer so. well if it makes you feel better it's the engineer of the album that that is talking okay the engineer <laughs> of the album yes yeah so he's driving that train he is buddy nice. no joke uh, in the oh, shout out the devil is so good. Like it, it really like from start because Motley Crue. Like I, I think I've said it on this podcast before. Motley Crue is not known for you know a good album from start to finish. Right. Like even Motley's huge albums, mm -hmm. like you know Girls, 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 and Doctor Feelgood. Um, they have some huge clunkers on them. Like Theater of Pain. Like the only good song on Theater of Pain and good is relative is Home Sweet Home. Like, yeah, that's the yeah. only good song. So it's like 11 songs of crap and then Home Sweet Home. <laughs> um, but this is flawless. I, I just want to hear Morgan Freeman. <clears throat> In the beginning, good always overpowered the evils of all man's sins. But in time, the nations grew weak and our cities fell to slums while evil stood strong. In the dusts of hell lurked the blackest of hates, for he whom they feared awaited them. Andy Dufresne, okay. Now many lifetimes later, laid, destroyed, beaten, beaten down, only the corpses of rebels, ashes of dreams, and blood-stained streets. Andy Dufresne, okay. And it had been written, those who have youth have the future. So come now, children of the beast, be strong and shout at the devil. Crawl through a river five miles long. <laughs> that was Morgan Freeman? That's terrible Morgan Freeman. Wow. Sorry. Wow. Andy Dufresne. <clears throat> In the beginning. Yeah, I can't. Never mind. Cut. Edit. <laughs> That's going to be a bit. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we got to move on. Moving away from Satan. Moving away. Well, not moving, necessarily. Moving on to Steve's boys. Yeah, moving on to my man crush. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kristen saw this in the note. She's like, you in this group. What is your deal, man? Um, They they have a new album out. Uh, we're talking about Slash, uh, by the <laughs> way, featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Has a new album that came out just a couple of weeks ago. It is spectacular, but this is not it. This is actually the first track off of Apocalyptic Love from 2012. It's uh, it's the title track. It's Apocalyptic Love. 
It's just like, hey, Slash is here. He's going to play some guitar for you now. <laughs> and Miles is going to sing and enjoy the rest of the album. Love it. I, I dig the guitar. Yeah. You don't like his vocals? He's very hit or miss for me. Yeah. Like, because I know, like, I am very much aware that he can wail. And sometimes I feel like he's not... I don't know. I feel like he's not giving it. Like, in that intro, I was like, dude, like, I know you could, like, shred this right now. Right. He is very much, to me, though, he's a great um, counterpart for Slash's guitars. Because, you you know, you grew up, when I grew up, and you got used to hearing that style and that and his level of playing with the vocals of Axel. And... And and Miles isn't trying to be Axl Rose, but he has a very much a similar style of singing. Yes. And so it's just a to me, it's just this great pairing that works. And like I say, this this song just hits. Again, I like the songs that break you right into it. You know, it's like here's what you can expect from this project, and um and 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 it does it to me on on so many levels. And then there's just the and it's almost subtle how. You've got to, as you listen and you start to realize how fast he's moving his fingers um, to play those lick, those licks and stuff is just my lanta. I love he's it. like, he's disgustingly talented. It's ridiculous. And, and he, this is what amazes me is like when he plays, he makes it look effortless. Yep. You know, and, and I think that that. And, and, and Miles Kennedy's the same way when he sings. You know, he's not one of these guys that, like, just go nuts and make all kinds of weird facials and contortions and stuff. He just sings. And um, and and Slash is the same way as in his playing, you know, just, you know, at least back in the day with that cigarette just hanging out of his mouth, too. You know, it's just like, that's just Slash, you know? Yep. He's um, like the epitome of cool. He really is. And he likes dinosaurs. Does he really? Oh, he loves dinosaurs. Yeah, I heard a, uh, <clears throat> I heard a, a a podcast with um, Chris Jericho of all people on the Nerdist, and he was talking about being friends with Slash. He's like, "Yeah, Slash loves dinosaurs," and they like texted him in the middle of the podcast asking him about a dinosaur. Oh my god! And he texted back, you know, and like gave this long explanation and stuff. So that's you, amazing. You gotta love someone that's that talented and likes dinosaurs. There's there's nothing wrong with Slash. There really isn't. Mm-mm. No. And I mean, Steve, bringing your world and my world together, 
at the Flyers game at the home opener, they gave Slash and Miles Kennedy some love on one of their intro videos. Oh, yeah? What they play? Do you know? I have no idea, but my friend that I was with was like, oh, my God, I love this song. And I was like, this sounds like Slash and Miles Kennedy. She's like, it is. Nice. I like your friend. <laughs> yeah, my friend's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's an accountant, but she's the most BA accountant I've ever met in my life. Well, I got to tell you, um, if you're into the Slash thing, and I know you're not. I'm talking for everyone else. World on Fire is the new album, and it is good. Is it, it on fire? Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. It, <laughs> yes. What, took a minute. <laughs> what's so good about it is, is to me, I'm sorry to diverse. I've been, you know what? I've been getting off topic all night, so I know I'm not sorry. Um, the deeper you get into the album, you know, you've got to get deep in before you get that signature slash sound. Okay. You know, and so and so that by the so when you hit a song and it's there, you're like, oh yeah, he does this too, and then you're kind of taken back to remembering. And it's just they let Slash jam some on this album, um, and that's what I like to hear from him. Good. So, anyhow, well, our final track, and I and I really felt like when I saw this, I was like, you know what, this does need to be the last one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it works on that level to me. Yeah, it does. It's uh, from 1977, the year in which I was born. It's, uh, <laughs> and you know, it makes sense that it's from a hefty guy. Um, <laughs> it's Bat Out of Hell from Bat Out of Hell by Meatloaf. Tonight, there's a man in the shadows with the gun in his eye and a blade shining no so bright. There's evil in the hand, there's thunder in the sky, and a killer's on the bloodshot streets. Oh, I'm down in the tunnel with a deadly horizon. No, I swear I saw a young boy down in the cover, he was stopping the foam in the heat. There's gonna be some light But I gotta get out, I gotta break it out now Before the final cut goes down So we gotta make the most of our one night together When it's over, you know We'll both be so alone Kristen Meatloaf is whoa. That was a bad fade that out, was Steve. That was terrible. I didn't mean to go so low on that. I was like, it's like the last time I played Limbo. Um, <laughs> I uh, Meatloaf is a mystery to me. Do tell. I <laughs> there's a lady I work with that whenever I start a story, she's like, do tell. <laughs> um, I just uh, I don't know. He's always been this kind of, and I know he's not an enigma, but he's always been this enigma to me and everything, because I just look at him and I hear him and like, I dig this song. I dig, you know, a lot of his bigger hits and stuff like Paradise by the Dashboard Lights and of course, Anything for Love and all that good stuff. But I just listen, I'm like, how did, how did he hit the way that he hit when he hit? 
Well, is they it? didn't want him to hit when he hit, that's for sure. Exactly. Because they, like, every single record company passed on Bad Out of Hell. They were like, no one, like, who in their right mind is going to want to hear eight-minute, like, Wagner-inspired rock songs sung by this, like, 350-pound fat guy? <laughs> Easy like, now. Careful. <laughs> no, but it's like, that's what people said. Like, who is going to want that? And it's like, it just shows that record companies know absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like, they shouldn't be trusted for anything. Because, again, one of the top-selling records of all time, and I think it's in the top ten. Um, and it is, it's, such, it's such an incredible album. And it's like, you can't judge a book by its cover, because I feel like most time people don't do that. Like, especially in the 70s. Like, I mean, if there was ever a better time for Meatloaf to hit... Like, no offense, it was before MTV. Right, right. When looks were everything. And, I mean, they got that girl in that band that you hear on Paradise by the Dashboard Light because, you know, if Meatloaf didn't hit, maybe they could, you know, work her into the, in the spotlight, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they didn't need to do that because his voice did it all. Did it? Yes. See, I'm not really taken with his voice, I guess is what I'm saying. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god! I'm hanging up. Okay. I can't. I, listen, Ow! I don't know. I dig the song, and I'm not anti his voice, but I'm just saying, like, that's the thing. To me, it's the music that makes it. It's this rock opera sound of these songs, and um, you know, I like how on the on the album it's like Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell, songs by Jim Steinman. Yep. You know, and and I'm, they are a pair. <laughs> well, it's just. Uh, I don't know. I just look at him. I'm like, there's no reason this guy should have ever hit the way he did. Because, like I say, his vocals aren't... Um, they're not that impressive to me. You know? They don't... They just, they're just kind of there, you know? But I do like the songs. That's You know, understand I like the songs. It's just, he's a mystery. That's what I'm saying. Is he's just in this place where I'm like, well, there's Meatloaf, you know? <laughs> In much there way that, in much in much the same way that the food meatloaf is a mystery to me, <laughs> meatloaf is a mystery to me. But I love Bad Out of Hell. Having said that, I love Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I love the whole Bad Out of Hell album, man. Oh, it's so good. See, here's my thing, and I think this is I think this is why Meatloaf and Jim Steinman work. Like, if you pull up the lyrics to Bad Out of Hell. It's more wordy than a Springsteen song. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's very rock opera-y. Yep, like, and his enunciations when he is, like, you know, the signs are screaming and the... Like, it's so enunciated. Like, there's there's no words that are just falling by the wayside. Like, you hear everything that he's saying. And then at the end, like, when he hits those bat out of hells and he's just screaming, oh, it's amazing. Now, didn't he mess up his voice in that... Didn't he so- did at one point mm-hmm. where, like, he just blew it out because he was singing so much. But, I mean, like, the the famous story with Bad Out of Hell is, like, um, CBS had, like, their big thing for all their artists, like, their showcase or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they went up there and they did it. And when they played Bad Out of Hell, he was like, you just saw all these artists of, of all these people that you had, you know, respected. And, you know, you're like, wow, you know, Billy Joel was there. And he was like, I remember we played Bad Out of Hell and Billy Joel got out of his chair and stood in the center of his table, at, like, at the table. Like, he stood on the table. And, like, everybody was just going crazy after, you know, when they got to, you know, minute eight of that epic song. 
And they said to him afterwards, they were like, only two people have ever gotten that reaction at one of our events. And one of them's you and the other is Janis Joplin. Wow. So like, and I think it's just his, I mean, Meatloaf would have to have oxygen on the side of the stage for him because mm-hmm. when he performs, he gives everything that he's got. Yeah. I don't think you'd like him in real life. Um, He seems like he would be a bit much for me. Yeah. Like yeah. I've watched interviews with him and he's like, I mean, he's a very happy-go-lucky guy, but he's so in your face. I'd mm-hmm. be like, I need a minute from you. I think I can handle him in small doses. Right. Like, a, hi, can I have a picture with you? Really dig your tunes, man. <laughs> my grandma loves you, too. Oh, my God, can you sign this for her? Okay, bye. I think I'd like him like that. <laughs> Does your grandma love meatloaf? My grandma loves meatloaf. It's on her bucket list to see meatloaf live. Like, I have to take her to see meatloaf live. Because she loves him. Like, I Would Do Anything for Love is one of her all-time favorite songs. Mm. She loves Bad Out of Hell. Like, my, gra- my grandma introduced me to Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was, like, four years old. And okay. she used to love Rocky. She used to love him in Rocky Horror, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, now it's time for confession number two from Steve. Oh, God. I've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. Steve, you said this the other night and just, like... Yeah. It's like you're taking a pickaxe to my heart. I'm sorry. Like, I can literally, Steve, I can say, I can talk, I could do that entire movie from start to finish. I could tell you the audience cues. I could do perfect, mm-hmm. perfect Frankenfurter makeup. Like, it just, it really hurts me that you haven't seen it. Well, you know, anyone that's a fan of that movie can apparently say the movie from start to finish and do all the audience cues and everything, but... I just Oh, Steve. Yeah. And here's my here's the thing with Rocky Horror. Like, you know how Clue is this big like cult thing? How everyone's like, "Oh my god, we love the movie Clue mm-hmm. and, you know, it's so funny and we and it's like it's like that kind of movie. Like you shouldn't take it seriously. Like don't go into it thinking it's going to be this great, you know, world-changing movie. It's not. Right. It's this silly little movie that, you know, has got these great songs in it. Like, Tim, it has Tim Curry. I mean, need I say more? Like, I could just say, hey, Steve, like, you could be like, Kristen, tell me about Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I could say, it has Tim Curry. And you could say, stop right there. That's all I needed to know. Well, I agree. Tim Curry's amazing. Have you ever seen Muppets Treasure Island? Of course I have. (laughs) Okay, because I was going to say, it has Tim Curry. I know. Part of the reason why I watched it. Have you ever seen Fern Gully? He's the voice of Hexus. Oh, is he? He was. Yes! Uh, he was in the final seasons of the Clone Wars. He was the voice of the Emperor. He's so good. I love him <clears throat> so much. And like, as Frank, like Frankenfurter is such a great, over-the-top, crazy character. <sighs> Steve, you have to see it. Well, you know what? Maybe one day. You never know. But anyhow, back to Bad Out of Hell. <laughs> Uh, this is, I mean, it is, look, again, I'm not dogging meatloaf, all right? I want you to understand that. Just like I like the, the food meatloaf, I like the songs and the artist meatloaf. Um, and, and you know my love for lyrics that go real fast, anyway. Yep. And, <laughs> and, yeah, so I love, you know, and so this song is, you know, like I'm out of hell, I'm going the morning, you know. I feel the kinship with him, but I just feel like he's always been just slightly to the side of my radar for some reason. You need to you need to get on that train. Well, okay. You need to get on the meatloaf train. Get on the meatloaf train. Uh, listen, I I'll get on the double cheeseburger train. I'll get on the 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 
Oh, yeah. I got nothing else. Meatloaf train. <laughs> I'll get on the meatloaf train. Mmm, meatloaf train. <laughs> mm. Who doesn't love some meatloaf? I hear you. I hear you. Well, what a fun show. See, this is good. It's been good times. It's been really good to be back. It is good to be back. It's good to have you back. Don't don't go away for three months ever again. <laughs> three months? Oh God, it wasn't that long. <laughs> it felt like it. It felt like an eternity. When the you're only not... time it's going to be that bad again, hopefully, is when I go to the UK. Now, when are you going to the UK? I don't know yet. I don't. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I'm thinking it's going to be for my 26th birthday, but we're not going in January because my friend that can go can't go. So we're probably going to go in like May. All right. Well. So May of 2016. Okay. Wow. So, oh, you got a ways. Yeah, I have, you know, I have to save up. I mean, like I have, because here's my thing. I'm doing all the tours. And like, if you think I'm going to England and I'm not going to Sheffield to lay flowers on Steve Clark's grave, you're insane. Like I have to get up there. I have to see the grave. I have to pay my respects. I have to do all the things. Like there's so much I have to do. So, so much. Listen, guys, here's the list we've got to do. So deal with it. Well, I told them, I was like, this is my birthday, my birthday, my plans. Like, I have to see Anne Boleyn. I have to go. I have to go to the tower. I have to go to her grave. I have to pay my respects to Anne. I have to pay my respects to Elizabeth. Like, <laughs> I got, there are just certain things that have to get done. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that have to, guys, honestly, these are necessities in life. They are. They have to, to me, get done. To me, they are, Steve. Don't, I just, you, don't you I'm make with fun you. of me. Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Do we want to get right? Well, that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of Rock Out Loud. Now, you can interact with us between shows, and we'd love for you to do that. Shoot us an email at rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. Interact with us on Twitter. Now that Kristen's back at her home base, she'll be all over the Twitter and such as again. Yeah. At Rock Out Loud Pod for the podcast. At Xboxing the Stars for Kristen. And I'm at Steve Glosson. Nothing fancy. Every time you say my Twitter handle, I'm like, I have to change that. <laughs> Are you no longer Xboxing the Stars, Kristen? No, I am, but I just like I don't know. The first time you ever said that, everybody was like, "Oh my god, emo." <laughs> oh, I thought I always think video gamer. Really? Yeah, Xbox, being the stars. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Never even thought of that. There you go. Uh, we're on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/RockOutLoudPod, and uh, we're a proud part of the Goldiverse, of course, man. Geek out loud, mark out loud, rock out loud. Know what I'm saying? Which has a special episode coming this week. Watch your feeds for that. As well as Disney Vault Talk and uh, the Rebel Yell. Disney Vault Talk's look at Star Wars Rebels. We're also a very proud part of the Shot Glass Digital Radio Network over at shotglassdigital.com. There you'll find a whole host of different shows about all kinds of things. So head over to Shot Glass Digital and hey, let them know you're glad that Rock Out Loud is a part of Shot Glass Digital Radio. If you want to support this or other shows, 
go to the show notes at geekoutpodcast.com. There'll be a list of all the songs we talked about on this episode and links to buy them from Amazon. Amazon has a great downloadable MP3 service. Uh, it's compatible with your iTunes and everything. Uh, some of the DRM's not there, though. Some of the difficulties you might have with some of that stuff's not there with the uh, Amazon MP3s. So check that out over at geekoutpodcast.com under the show notes for this episode, as well as at geekoutonline.com. There's a link where you can search Amazon for some of the great albums we've talked about or anything you're looking for, and it all helps out all the shows. If you want to be more active about helping out the shows, you can head over to, ge- uh, to patreon.com slash geekoutloud and support us that way. So now that we've taken care of all the business, we'll rock out one more time. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Kristen, it was so good to have you back around. Oh, I'm so happy to be back. We're, we're going to be brainstorming our big Halloween show, guys, coming up. Yeah, buddy, Cause, get ready. Because Kristen loves Halloween. It's the best time of year. I'm going to go ahead and let you know, prepare to hear Ghostbusters on that show. Totally fine. All right. <laughs> Love it. All right, until next time, I'm Steve. I'm Kristen. We'll see you next time, guys. Rock on. Rock on, guys. And that, as they say, is a show, ladies and gentlemen.